Hello and welcome to Sweet Talk with Sugar Chef, the podcast, a platform for creators to chat about what really inspires them. They will share their life lessons that they've learned along the way, and most importantly, they'll tell us something sweet. And welcome everyone to the latest episode of Sweet Talk with Sugar Chef. I'm super excited to talk to this brilliant young lady. Um, we've got to go back a long way. We have a, <laughs> have a bit of a history together, but both of us have grown tremendously. And, um, and I'm super proud of what she's doing and how she's trying to educate the world one person at a time. Welcome to Sweet Talk with Sugar Chef, Miss Janet Williams. Hey okay, there. So- <laughs> how you doing, Sugar? How are you? <laughs> I so am now, great. So listen, so now I get to brag on you. So I'm going to read your bio to you, okay? So Janet's career began many years ago as a diversity learning and development consultant focused on instructional design and program facilitation. The work was stimulating, rewarding, and tough. Janet earned battle scars from resistant participants who resented being required to attend mandatory diversity training sessions and weren't afraid to show it. Janet learned a great deal from those resistors, namely that true diversity honors the contributions of all people, even those who push back. Welcome to Sweet Talk with Sugar Chef, Janet Williams of Progressive Discoveries. How are you, Janet? I am great, Pat. How are you doing? I'm great, great, great. And I'm super excited to talk with you about what you're doing now and uh, all the great stuff that you're doing, because I know you're doing some wonderful things, especially in the climate that we're living in today. Okay, so my first question for you is, so you're a bit of a trailblazer for diversity consulting before it was a requirement. What's been the biggest change that you've seen with your clientele? Well, I would say that because this issue is so pressing for people, I, I think that part of what has happened is that, um, especially with the murder of George Floyd, um, people's humanity buttons started to turn on. And we all know that prior to that, there were lots of um, incidents that occurred um, in society that really pointed to the um, disparities and inequities that exist based on who people are, namely black people and other people of color have a different experience than, um, than white people typically do. But I think that those events really sh- uh, shine the light that hadn't previously been shown. So I, I would say that the biggest difference in clients for me has been that organizations that were not previously so interested in taking a look at these particular issues of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are now wanting to take a more serious look at how they are showing up in the world and what this really means for them and how they can transform their organization by paying attention to these issues. That's awesome. I know that um, I'm sure that you've been busy with educating and 
everything else that you're doing in between that. So tell us what made you go into diversity training and how did it get you, how did, it, how did you get started? Well, you know, right now my work is not so much around training as it really is in looking at organizational structures and systems. If we do any training at this point, it comes, um, I work in phases with organizations and so if we're doing any training, it's coming at the very end of the engagement rather than at the beginning. Okay. Because okay. training in and of itself around this, these issues not necessarily that effective. I mean, it can be in the context of other activities that are taking place, but we never start with training. Um, okay. So what we're really doing is we are having um, conversations that matter with people and right. really helping them to understand and to get clear about who they are and how they want to show up in the world, not, you know, for their employees, for their customers, for other stakeholders. I think many organizations are, are very concerned about who they are and what they represent and getting a clear voice and clear vision around those things. And so I would say that more of my work pertains to that piece than it okay. does to the training piece per se. Okay, so you're also an expert with in-house leadership and consultant. What would you tell your younger self now? How could you prepare yourself for a huge flood of for the huge flood of work that would be coming your way? What would you tell your younger self now? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> uh, I would. Whoa! Uh, I would probably tell my younger self to um, take a deep breath to pay close attention and to stop talking, right? Because what I find is that um, the more adept I become at listening, the better my business becomes, if that makes okay. sense. That makes um, really sense. being able to listen to what people are telling you and holding back on, on the opinion so much, but really taking in what people have to say and responding to that and helping people um, to derive a solution based on what their current condition is, no matter what I personally might think about what that is. Okay. So right now, uh, we're going to take a, a little bit of a commercial break and we'll be right back with Sweet Talk with Sugar Chef. And we're talking to the remarkable Janet Williams of Progressive Discoveries. We'll be right back. A small gathering without dessert is just a meeting. Contact Sugar Chef Desserts for all your dessert needs. Please visit www.sugachef.com. Making life sweeter, one dessert at a time. Welcome back, everybody, with Sweet Talk with Sugar Chef, and I'm talking to the remarkable Janet Williams of Progressive Discoveries. So, Janet, I see that you're heavily involved with Chefs for Equality. Tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved with that. Well, you, I, I don't know if you know this, Pat. I think you might, but that I worked with David Hagedorn 
back in, and I'm really dating myself now, uh-oh, but <laughs> way, <laughs> way back in the 90s. And so, let's oh, see, wow. we were at Trumpets together, and Trumpets... Oh, you were the Trumpets? Yeah, I was the general manager of Trumpets for a number of years. <laughs> so, we're, so we're talking about a, a real trip down memory lane there. Oh, and you yeah, know, I don't that talk my, about it. Yeah, I'm talking about that was that was some some time I'm telling you, but I, I'll tell you that that was probably uh, it was a very uh, powerful and very fun time for me in my career. It was the first time in my professional career that I had an opportunity to marry um, some of my professional skill sets with um, an organization and a business that I had a genuine love for and that really spoke to my soul as a person and as a young gay woman being able to be a part of the LGBTQ community in such a powerful way was a huge deal for me and I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world but all that is to say that I have this long-standing relationship with um, David Hagedorn because of my having run trumpets and we are still very the very best of friends to this day so anything that i've done to kind of assist him around chefs for equality you know and it and it started with chef Beth when he was doing that prior to chefs for equality but anything that i've done to assist around that has been because of my alliance with David Hagedorn, but also because of my respect and appreciation um, for the great work that um, the Human Rights Campaign is doing. It's because of all of those things that, um, that I have been a really powerful, strong supporter of Chefs for Equality since it started. And it's really interesting to see how um, much that event has really grown over the yes. years. You know, yes. it's just amazing um, to see how that's grown. And it's, it's wonderful to see how um, well supported that is in the Washington, D.C. area. Yes, because <clears throat> a little bit of factoid about Janet and I, and I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> I'm not going to date what, myself. You better, you, better not, you, you better not mention any dates. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> I can remember first meeting you when I was working part time at Mix. Uh huh. You remember that? Yeah. Wait, wait, I was. I was. I was like. A, I was, was I the general manager of Mix then? You were the manager there. Yeah, I was. I was a baker at Kincaid's, which was two blocks from Mix. Right. And, uh, one day I wandered into Mix, and I can't remember who I spoke with. If I spoke with you, or I spoke with uh, someone. And uh, I was working part time in the evening, making your heat bar pies, your strawberry shortcakes, your Oreo oh, yeah. cheesecakes, and uh, we did a chocolate cake too. I can't remember. Yeah, we did a chocolate cake yeah. too. So yeah, I was doing a dessert set part time. So yeah, right. so that's how we. I couldn't remember. I worked for that company for a number of years, and in fact, that's how I ended up moving to Washington, D.C. And I, I do know the year, but I'm not going to stay because I'll pay the family. But <laughs> let's just say that the century started with a one and not a two. Right? <laughs> 
but I, but Mix, uh, I kind of ended my career with that company um, at Mix, and prior to that, I had run another one of their their fine dining restaurants. But yeah, that was a that was a fun experience as well. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, getting back to you, let's hear about your no shame, no blame approach. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. You know, in in so many ways, and for as much as organizations and people want to talk about all these issues pertaining to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, people yes. want to talk about it, but diversity conversations, especially those that pertain to race, in a number of circles, let's say, that, that conversation is the third rail. In other words, you know, that's the place, the last place that people want to go or want to touch. Yes. And so organizations who are really looking to advance in this area, you can't go anywhere and do any work around things like diversity or inclusion or equity without having conversations about it. You have to be able to talk about it. And so what I'm finding is that people that are making decisions around where their company should go in this area sometimes have real discomfort in talking about it. And so when you get a group of senior level uh, C-suite executives and senior level executives together in one room and start having these somewhat tough conversations for some people, what I found was that people closed up. They really had difficulty sharing what they were really thinking and um, in those rooms when they were when they were with so many of their peers and they felt that perhaps there was something at stake by saying how they really felt about things. So the no shame, no blame approach is really about allowing people the space and the latitude to be able to have conversations um, in a safe environment, one-on-one, so that they could say what they what they're really thinking, ask the questions that they're embarrassed to ask in front of their peers and not have a fear of reprisal in doing that. So that's why I said I don't spend a whole lot of time doing the kind of traditional diversity training that um, was the the old school model for uh, talking about and addressing this issue. We really start by having conversations that matter. Typically those conversations are one-on-one with the most senior folks in the organization. And then once those conversations start taking place and people start feeling a little bit more comfortable and more safe, and they know that no one is going to make them feel bad about any question that they might ask, then it's easier to start advancing this conversation throughout the entirety of the organization. And I found have found that that has been a very successful approach for us at Progressive Discoveries. And it's also, and it's, it can take a little bit of time, but it's worth the time. Uh, it's worth the investment, and it's worth that people are feeling a little bit more comfortable in talking about these important considerations that have such an impact on their businesses and on their people and ultimately on their customers and ultimately on how they show up in the world. So it's a worthwhile um, practice to have those one-on-one conversations, taking a no-shame-no-blame approach. That doesn't mean, however, that people don't say things that are inappropriate yes. or 
even incorrect. Um, they do say things that are inappropriate or incorrect. And when that happens, we don't just push those things under the rug. We address those things head on. But we address them in a way um, that still val- shows value and respects people, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah, so what so, would you but, say... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. So what would you say to a person that was, that's been working in a company and they don't see any type of diversity going on? What would be, let's say, a comfortable question that they could ask uh, senior level uh, management? Well, if, we, if we've done our job, then we've set things up so that that employee, that individual contributor, doesn't have to confront the senior manager. We've done that work. Right. In other words, when we start the engagement with them, when we, we lay out, this is what it looks like for you to start to move this forward. Here's some things that we're going to ask you to do. And one of the things that we're going to ask you to do, in addition to having these one-on-one conversations with us, and not just within the senior ranks, but we also want to talk to the folks that actually work within your organization. Because you know that what a senior executive has to say and what someone who is a frontline employee has to say is typically going to be a lot different, especially when it comes to things like diversity. So we, again, create these spaces so that they can express how they're feeling about what goes on in terms of diversity. And I'm going to tell you that what I'm hearing most of the time from um, these populations, especially of employees, is that many of them feel that there isn't enough diversity in regard to representation. In other words, there are not enough people of color that are in not necessarily working in frontline positions, but that are working in leadership positions, that are in places where they actually can make some decisions that help to move the needle for the organization. Um, There are not enough people of color that um, are in positions that are able to change who the organization is from a systemic standpoint. And ultimately, that's really where the work needs to be done that organizations are looking at the systems that they have in place and whether those systems are genuinely those that are inclusive, that are able to provide opportunities for all the people in the organization, not just for a few people in the organization. So the way that we set our engagements up is such that we're going to ask those questions. We're going to ask them of everyone so that we can get to that and start talking about it so that we can start taking some action around it. Yes. Yeah, I think, like I say, sometimes the easiest of conversations and the easiest of questions are the hardest to ask. And I think that's great that Progressive Discoveries makes it comfortable so those people in leadership positions can ask the most simplest and the most uncomfortable questions. Because just like you said, that's the only way we're going to move forward is people have to talk about it and people have to ask those uncomfortable questions. That's all I'm going to move forward. Yeah. And let me, let me just say this, that uh, here's something that I, that I find all over the place. This is certainly ubiquitous. It doesn't necessarily apply to any one group or even any one ethnic or racial group. It, it seems to apply all over. And that's this, that for most people, you know, we are given, especially of a certain age, let's just put it, maybe that there's a difference there. But for most people of a certain age, 
you were taught from a very young age that there were certain things that were polite conversation, things that you were, it's okay to talk about, and then there are other things that you're told that it's not okay to talk about. You know what I mean? Right. So on the naughty list, there's a whole host of things on the naughty list, and I would say that what leads that naughty list, especially for people that tend to be a little bit more on the liberal leaning, is that you don't, it's impolite to talk about things like race. And you don't talk about sex, and you don't talk about religion, and you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about these things in polite company, if you will. Um, So that begs the question for me, well, well, darn, well, what else is left to talk about? Because those are all the good things. (laughs) So, you know, so a lot of what I I initially spent my time doing with some of... um, with the people that we're working with is just, again, creating that space to say, it really is okay for us to talk about it. But here's the other thing, is that because people have been conditioned for so long not to talk about these things, they don't know how to talk about them. It's really uncomfortable to talk about race for a a lot of people because you've always been told that you can't talk about it. You don't even have the language to talk about it. So, again, we just work on helping to create that space that makes it a little bit easier to have the conversation, knowing that these conversations, in in a lot of instances, are going to be tough because they're not just theoretical conversations. The conversations are about what's actually happening right now in your organization. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people get it makes some people uncomfortable. And again, yeah. if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. <laughs> that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then, you know, comes what, from having those uncomfortable conversations with folks. Right. And here's the other thing is that, the you know, a house is not going to fall on you because you, you, you said something or you said something the wrong way or you asked a crazy question and all of that. And, you know, we also have to be able to give each other a little bit of grace. Exactly. And to, yeah. to know yeah. that people are not going to get it right immediately. But, they're, but what's most important to us is that they're interested in knowing and they're interested in getting it right and they're interested in making the transformation and they're willing to make commitments to do that. And I think that's a very important first step to take. Yeah. And that they're interested in doing better than they did the previous Before. year or the previous day. Yep. That's right. Absolutely. Right. And here's the other thing, Pat, that, that comes up quite a bit is that, you know, I think that for a lot of organizations, they're looking for um, instant wokeness. And look, you're instant woke. There's no such beverage as instant woke. It, it just doesn't work that way. You know, the problem with this is that it is, and it's not finite. You know, this work is infinite, and it really is needs to be incorporated into every single aspect of a business. It's not just an HR function where you, you take Mary the HR lady and you say, okay, now you're in charge of anything that's related to diversity, equity, inclusion, or belonging, and um, we're going to handle this by having 
one hour of training once a year and then you know that's going to make us woke no yeah. it will not make us woke <laughs> it certainly fact, will <laughs> right and in fact what it probably will do is get a whole bunch of people in your organization really upset with you because you really haven't you know I'd rather see that you're not even talk about it at all than to take that type of approach but also to recognize that there's no end to this work there's no right. end to creating environments where people feel respected and they feel that they are um, genuinely included and that their voices matter and that they have opportunities within the organization that's ongoing work absolutely you know, yeah, and it's ongoing work to make sure that your represent the representation of people of different backgrounds, races, genders, sexual orientation and expression, um, gender orient uh, gender expressions, all of those things, ability status. That's ongoing work to make sure that there's genuine representation there, and that once they get into the organization, they they are comfortable and valued members of your teams. You know, it's not just about looking at a chart of, okay, we, well, we need this number of that type of person and this number of that type of person. It's about, well, what happens to them once they are working within this organization? Because that's another thing that is happening today in organizations is that people are very concerned about the numbers and about representation, and they should be, but where they're not paying enough attention is around what happens when people are there you know yes. is there no inclusion there you know is there a chance for people to advance within this organization you know do equal opportunities exist for people is real equity in place you know that kind of thing yeah. so yeah so that's kind of what we're up to Pat yeah. <laughs> so, so how can listeners find you I thankfully one of the great things that's happening with progressive discoveries right now is that we've just brought on someone to help us with social media because that okay. is an area that I am not very strong in but you can certainly go to our website www.progressivediscoveries.com um, you can look for me on LinkedIn Janet Williams and you'll you know, if you put in Janet Williams, Progressive Discovery, you'll find me. Um, also, if you wanted to reach out to me, send me an email, drop me a line. Info at ProgressiveDiscoveries.com would be the easiest way um, to find me via email. So we're out there and um, my social, our social media um, manager is working on our Facebook page and our LinkedIn um, business page and all of those things so and I think Instagram even which yeah. if I had a phone to my head I probably wouldn't be able to even sign into but I'm working on it so <laughs> you know, we're, we're popping up all over the place I think that what we are is definitely a work in progress as we continue to expand. Right now what's happening for us is that we are just growing as a business and um, okay. expanding our client base. We're working in a number of um, different industries. I'd love to work with more folks in the restaurant industry. My original love is in that space. Um, okay. But we've been working a lot in nonprofit space and also with um, within the beauty industry, which is another love of mine. Oh, so, that's great. 
we're just we're growing and getting stronger and more solid in what we're um, delivering to our wonderful clients every day. Okay. Thank you so much, Janet Williams and Progressive Discoveries for your time. And most importantly, thank you so much for helping to educate the world on diversity and for helping us to have those tough conversations when most people are afraid to talk about it. So we need to talk right. about this a little bit more. Thank you, Janet thank Williams. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Pat. Hopefully I'll <laughs> see you when I'm back on the East Coast. Big hug. <sighs> Thank you for tuning in to Sweet Talk with Sugar Chef, the podcast.